The WBEN All Local. All Local. Produced by Randy Bushover. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mesrowski outside, currently looking at a few clouds out there, a little bit of a mild start. And we've got 38 degrees in Buffalo. City crews were out Sunday on a pothole blitz. Public Works Commissioner Nate Martin says they'll be hitting them every day. We've got crews now that we're into spring will be hitting those potholes every day. It's just the common work of the DPW. And, and even throughout the winter, we do that on those on those uh, ones that we have identified. But uh, it's a constant piece. We'll probably see some more weekend work. Um, you know, I think we've got a holiday coming up, so that's a little bit trickier on a holiday weekend. But certainly weekends where there's less traffic on the roads, it's advantageous to us from a safety perspective and less interruption of, of of the you know, drivers and residents trying to get to and from work or, or personal trips. So it's a little bit easier on a day like today. Residents encouraged to report potholes by calling 311. And Martin says the mayor maintains a 48-hour guarantee to fix the holes that are reported. Hey, that's, that's good. It's <laughs> pretty quick right. uh, considering how long I've seen some of them. I don't know what it was, but Friday, Saturday, I really started Noticed. to notice them all around western New York. And something about uh, those two days. Well, from potholes to pot, the governor proposing a crackdown on stores selling recreational marijuana without a license. WBEN's Brayton Wilson has more on how that idea is going over with the state lawmakers who would have to vote it through. While there were expected to be more than 100 legal pot shops open across the state at this time, New York has only managed to open three shops in New York City and just another two in upstate New York. State Senator Sean Ryan feels the best way to crack down on these illegal pot shops across the state is to get the legal market online. I mean, we passed legislation waiting for the Office of Cannabis Management to get the licenses out. The longer you wait on this, the more the black market's going to put their heads in because people have this expectation that we have legalized cannabis sale in New York State, but we really don't because you can't find a shop to buy it. As for State Senator George Borrello, he feels the whole business model New York State has adopted with the legalization of recreational marijuana is completely flawed. He feels if there is any way to get everything back on track, it's for cannabis to be treated similar to the way alcohol is treated in New York. I'm a restaurant owner. I have liquor licenses in my name. If you have a felony conviction in New York State, you will not get a liquor license. But for marijuana, if you have a felony drug conviction, you go to the front of the line for a marijuana license. That is the most ridiculous, outrageous idea that I've ever heard of in any kind of business. New York State needs to scrap this model and go back to sound business practices if we ever expect to get any revenue or to create an industry that's not only going to be a good business model, but also not going to uh, exacerbate the problems we already have. More reaction from state lawmakers on Governor Hochul's proposed crackdowns is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. Thank you, Brayton. Taylor Swift fans have a big problem with Ticketmaster, a group filing a lawsuit in court today claiming a conspiracy to jack up prices for Swift's current tour. Drake fans also filing a separate lawsuit against Ticketmaster in Canada for alleged price fixing there. Ticketmaster in the past has blamed high demand, billions of ticket requests for crashing its website, also a possible cyber attack and increased bot traffic for its problems, denying any deception or questionable ticket practices. That's Derek Dennis. We'll see if anything changes after this lawsuit. No, it's very interesting. I... When somebody breaks the news to them, they're claiming a conspiracy to jack up prices for Swift's errors. To when someone breaks the news to them that Taylor Swift is taking home a majority of that money, I don't. I don't want to be there for the Swift fans when they yeah. come to the realization. Don't come after me. I'm. 
I'm just the messenger. Uh, reboot of sorts today at the Central Library downtown. Here's Max Ferry. Buffalo Central Library will resume their normal hours today. This comes following the library's decision to cut their afternoon hours for two weeks due to patterns of violence from misbehaving teenagers. The Buffalo Peacemakers will be in the library every weekday from 2 p.m. to close. So the Peacemakers are going to have a couple roles here, and one of them is training and educating the staff. But probably more importantly, what they're going to be doing is they're going to be a physical presence in the library. They're going to be interacting with all of our users, kind of helping out if there's any issues. And then we're also going to have some of the peacemakers that are going to be doing programs here at the library as well. John Spears, library director. Spears mentions the specific training the peacemakers will show the library staff. When it comes to the training and the education, they're going to be working with the staff, um, kind of teaching them the basics of trauma-informed care, um, restorative justice, and how to interact with the public in ways that are going to be more effective ways of, of, of working with people. Max Ferry, WBEN.com News. All right, Max, thank you. After weeks of searching for a buyer, the federal government now has a deal to unload much of what's left of the failed Silicon Valley Bank. The FDIC says it's entered into an agreement with North Carolina's First Citizens Bank to take on all of Silicon Valley's deposits and loans. A statement says the transaction includes First Citizens purchasing about $72 billion in assets and that both the FDIC and First Citizens will share in losses and the potential recovery of loans going forward. The FDIC says customers of Silicon Valley Bank will automatically become First Citizens customers and the 17 branches that SVB had will reopen as First First Citizens Banks. Mark Remillard, ABC News. Well, they are picking up the pieces in Mississippi where a deadly F4 tornado tore a path of destruction for more than an hour through several towns late on Friday. Officials say more than two dozen people were killed, dozens of others injured. A man was also killed in Alabama after his trailer home flipped over several times. Whit Johnson has more from the hard-hit town of Rolling Fork, Mississippi. We spoke with the mayor as well, who said that the town is nearly a total loss. There are still a few buildings left standing, but the ones that are uh, are so damaged they're uninhabitable. And so this is a community that's really just starting to take in the weight and gravity of what's happening and looking forward to how they're going to rebuild. Wind speeds from the storm upwards of 170 miles an hour, sometimes 200 miles per hour. It's hard to even imagine. Uh, I, right? it, I mean, how about the wind speed here the other Saturday you night? You know, the gust of, what, 60 um, 73 was in North Tonawanda. Um, it, was, it was loud. I can't imagine three times right. that, what that would uh, kind of feel like. But, man, we were hearing it all night Saturday and I'm sure you were too. If uh, oh, you yeah. have some of those down limbs or anything like that, let us know. 8030930 on our text board. Uh, White House says it's deeply concerned about the unrest in Israel. Tens of thousands of protesters taken to the streets again overnight, outraged over a plan to change the court system, giving Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu more power. In the wake of the upheaval, the country's culture minister, a Netanyahu ally, claimed the party would support plans to pause the judiciary overhaul. But Netanyahu holding firm, tweeting, we must all stand strong against refusal. He's claimed members of the judiciary are elitist and don't represent the Israeli people. That's Lindsay Watts reporting. 509 now on WBEN, the final four is set. Midwest at Kansas City. Miami is all the way back on Texas. Oh, long three. No good. Down 13 in the second half. The Hurricanes storm off. 
Westwood won during that 88-81 Canes win. Miami meets UConn. South region in Louisville. San Diego State outlasts Crate 57-56. San Diego State plays Florida Atlantic in Houston. Joey Waller, ABC News. All right, got that. Uh, so Final Four set. Kind of a surprising one. First time ever. Uh, none of the uh, top yeah. uh, seeds are in the Final Four. And three of the Final Four have never been this pretty far cool. in the tournament. Um, and even, you know, UConn, you know, one of these right. big schools, they've been... It's been a long time yeah. since they've you know, really uh, made some noise. So pretty cool to see. Upset of a Final Four and uh, should make for some good basketball next weekend. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Mostly cloudy with scattered rain and snow showers today. High temperatures near 40 degrees. For tonight, some snow showers early this evening. Overnight lows near 30. On Tuesday, skies will slowly clear with highs in the low 40s. Rain will return late on Wednesday with highs in the upper 40s. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Jill Schlesinger from JillOnMoney.com. Her show heard weekends here on WBEN. With us this morning, we're kind of navigating the current economic climate, Jill, and it looked like a push-pull for the Fed last week. Fearing inflation and feeling pressure from the banking sector, but in the end, they raised interest rates a quarter of a percent. Because of the Fed's action, what should we be doing? Well, I think that a lot of people hear the Fed speak and they just tune out and say, I can't do anything about the nation's central bank. But actually, this is an area where if you're feeling a little anxiety, there are things you can do. So listen to the Fed and what they said. They said, hey, we're going to raise by a quarter of a percent. Probably going to do another raise sometime soon. But we're, if you're really thinking that rates are going down, that's not happening. And the Fed has essentially said we're keeping interest rates higher for longer than most people expect. In that case, if you have outstanding variable debt, what does that mean? Like a credit card loan or an adjustable rate mortgage or you've got uh, a loan with for your small business and it's linked to short-term interest rates, I would try to aggressively try to pay down that debt if you're a saver. Well, don't sit around and wait for your bank to give you more interest. Go and look online for higher interest rates at FDIC-insured institutions. And don't be spooked. You can move a little bit of your money into another institution to get more interest. Um, don't be spooked might be tough <laughs> if you're thinking about, <laughs> right? Like, uh, oh, you know, uh, this bank has a better interest rate, but I don't know. How many banks do I want to be involved in when uh, none of them seem to be on good footing? Okay, but here's the other way to look at it. See, you're very negative, and I'm going to play positive Pollyanna for you. Um, you might say to yourself, "Well, why would I have to? Why would I want to be in with just one bank? I'd love to have two accounts open." As long as a bank or a credit union uh, has insurance against a failure, you're fine. So if you say, "I um, I bank with one of the large major institutions, you know, Citi or Chase or Bank of America," I could go online and is Presuming that I'm looking at one of these aggregation sites, the bank I'm going to choose has FDIC insurance or the credit union has NCUA insurance, I can feel comfortable doing that. Now, I know it may seem like a pain in the neck, but if you're getting maybe 1% interest and the difference you could get is maybe 3% interest, that's a lot. And I wouldn't just give that money away. I would try to walk through your fear and get your money and, and make it work for you a little bit better. Are you expecting more bank failures? I would say that I'm, I'm going to predict, bold prediction here, 
not just failures, but more like consolidation. When you think about some of these banks, whether it's First Republic, Silicon Valley Bank, these middle-sized banks, not your little baby community banks that are probably just fine, by the way, because they don't tend to take a lot of risks. They don't have a lot of risky depositors. But when you look at that mid-range, I think that those banks are going to be under pressure. They're going to have to be consolidating because I think there's going to be more regulation. So, you know, I don't think we're necessarily going back to another SNL crisis. Susan, should we tell everybody that there were a lot of banks that failed in the mid-80s? Okay, there, there, there were a lot of banks. It was ugly. I do think that um, we should be very clear that many banks are going to come together, especially in that range of, say, $50 billion in deposits up to, say, $700 billion in deposits. That's the kind of consolidation I think we're going to see. Uh, what does all of this do to people who might be in the housing market? I, I mean, mm. wh what are you seeing there? And I, I think there's a lot of people who have been on the sidelines for, I mean, geez, Jill, it's years now maybe with these, uh, you know, rates and prices, you know, both, you know, kind of going up, up, up. Are, are they going to have an opportunity to pounce soon? It's a great question. I think there's two different things. One of the things that I think is important is to say in the housing market, we actually saw a little bit of an uptick in activity. Um, and that was interesting. Um, last week, we got some data in and prices starting to go down for the first time in many months. Now, that said, the data that I am referencing, those data points do not reflect what has just happened in the in the uh, banking sector. So what I think you want to consider is this. If you're looking for a house, you still have to run your numbers, okay? And you may need to be patient. I have been speaking to a lot of people on the radio show, um, some of whom are from your area, who have actually taken the plunge. And they've done so with what you and I would think is like, oh my gosh, really high interest rates. But when they ran the numbers, it worked for them. And so, you know, don't be so spooked not to even run the numbers. A lot of people are saying, hey, you know what? Even if I get a 5.5% mortgage, I'm okay with that. I can do that. I'll refinance eventually. This is okay. Um, when it comes to commercial real estate, I think that's a little dicier right now because small banks have a very big share of exposure to commercial real estate. And, you know, down here in the New York City area, I know that a lot of the commercial real estate folks that I speak to have said that the banks have just pulled back on lending. So if you are looking to expand your small business, there is quite a big amount of commercial real estate on the market. So there is a, probably a good time to renegotiate a lease if you're looking at that. Do you expect mortgage rates to continue to go up? I think that, okay, so here's the, the, the mortgage rate question is such a huge one because the, it's volatile right now. The bet right now for 30 years is essentially like, hey, rates are going to be high in the beginning of this year, but then they're going to go down eventually. And the reason that is, is that a lot of people who are projecting the bond market say the economy is going to slow down. There's no way the Fed can keep going and that over the next of the over the course of the next couple of years rates will be lower. And so that's the push pull of the mortgage market because it's a 30-year bet. If you are going out and looking at a home right now, you should price it both ways. You should say, hey, what would happen if I had an adjustable or a variable rate for a certain period of time and then tried to refinance during that period of time? I mean, it's a risk, but it's certainly worth looking at it besides just choosing that fixed rate mortgage that seems so juicy at 3% because you're only, you know, now you're back at 6%. I, it would probably be a good risk, right? 
if you're if you're yeah. making that decision right now, I, I wouldn't you look at that and say, well, they got to come down eventually. Well, what I would say is this: it depends on like how you feel about this kind of risk. I think there are a lot of people who have been. Um, used to these ultra low mortgage rates and you do get sticker shock when you go out and you see the difference between a $300,000 mortgage at 6% versus what it was at three and a quarter percent right so then you do look and you say okay what would the differential be let's say I had a fixed rate for seven years and then it adjusts after that what is the risk? The risk is that you're wrong and that in seven years you either haven't moved or refinanced. I think that's remote. I do think that within seven years you probably get a chance to refi, but everybody's got to look within themselves to say like, is that a risk I'm willing to take? And by the way, a lot of people are happy to take that risk because they think this is my starter home and then I'm just going to move anyway. So why not take that risk? So be careful talk to somebody and look at the differential because it could be the, mean the difference between you being able to buy a house right now and not being able to buy a house right now. Yeah, right. All right, Jill. Have a good week. Thank you. Take care. Jill Schlesinger from JillOnMoney.com. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.